The reading is from John chapter 3, which is on page 1066 in the Church Bibles, and we'll be reading from verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Great. Uh, Do keep your Bibles open. Uh, That page, we're going to think about uh, love this morning. And specifically, we're going to think about God's love for us. Um, The writer of the Narnia book, C.S. Lewis, wrote a book called The Four Loves, kind of exploring this idea of of God's love for us and and our love for one another and all that kind of stuff. Um, But he makes a distinction at the beginning of his book, which is really interesting uh, and I think speaks really powerfully into our day in terms of how we experience love. He makes this definition, firstly, of our love for one another that we often experience. And what he calls that is need love. That is, we we are born into a need. When we're born as as a baby, we we have needs for for paternal love. And that's shown itself through through feeding, through care, through changing smelly nappies, all that kind of stuff. We love because we have that need for love. And as we grow up, we keep on experiencing that need love in all sorts of different ways. Way. So we're at school, at college, or going off to uni. We have that need for, for friendship, for, for affection. And so we love others because we have that same need to be loved. We see that in, in marriage as well. And in other relationships where you see that need for love. So you show love in return. Our love is tied in with our needs. We love because we have a need to be loved. That's this need love that he talks about first. And it's a little bit like you're pouring your love into someone else so that you expect to get love in return. So this is you. This is the person that you're loving. So you pour your love into them with the expectation that you get love back in return. But sometimes it's hard. Because there are going to be all sorts of experiences and situations in life where you're, you're pouring your love into someone else, but actually you're not getting any love in return. So you keep on pouring, pouring yourself out. Maybe that's through all sorts of acts or, or, or kindness or care, whatever it is. Maybe you're looking after someone who is ill and you keep on pouring out that love. And it starts really sincere at first, really full of energy. But the more and more you pour love into that person without receiving love in return, You just feel empty. You've got no love 
left. And that's often how relationships break down, because you've got no love left. And Lewis describes that as need love. And that's the way that most of us love one another. Fortunately, we get love in return most of the time, but not always. We're constantly looking to balance out that love, receiving so we can give. But there are two problems, as we've seen with that example. Firstly, there's no guarantee that the love we're receiving from that other person is going to last forever. Illness or or death or, or relational breakdown might separate that. So we're no longer receiving that love. To keep on loving, we need the other person. We are reliant upon them to love them back. But Lewis also writes about a different kind of love. And this is a love that is unique to God. And this is what he calls gift love. Gift love as opposed to need love. It is gift love. In 1 John 4, 8, we read this famous little phrase that God is love. That is, love comes from God. Love is reliant on God. God is not reliant on love. God has no needs. God chooses to love freely. Let's think about that. As a result, this is the only kind of love that does not require us to to keep on topping it up. It is an endless supply. Why? Because God is the source of all love. He is not dependent on receiving love from, from us, but love is dependent upon him. But the passage that we've just had read for us in, in John three sixteen to 21 uh, says there is a big challenge. And actually being willing to really accept this gift of love from God and to live out the consequences, even if you're a Christian, is harder than you may think. This gift love that comes from God, we're going to ask three things this morning. What does it look like? Why do we need it? And how should we respond to it? Well, let's look at the first thing then. What does it look like? And the Bible tells us that this gift love looks like total self-giving love that achieves for us what we could not achieve for ourselves. So we see this in verse 16. Perhaps the most famous words in the Bible, perhaps the most famous words ever uttered. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to just go through that verse slowly and just think about what these famous words, they they roll off the tongue. Perhaps you've sung them, uh, perhaps you've heard them or seen them on billboards, but actually let's think about what they mean. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Firstly, for God so loved. That is, God shows his love in this way. This is what it's about. But it's not just talking about God's love, this this kind of ethereal thing, God's love. But it says that God loved. Isn't that strange? We often wonder if perhaps if someone loves us, or we may even wonder if God loves us. But John says, no, I want to tell you about something that happened in the past. God loved in this way, past tense. It's not enough just to say that God loves us, but John points to a specific event that demonstrates that love and actually makes that love possible. If we're wondering how can we know God loves you, God loves me, will we look to an event in history. For God so loved the world, it goes on to say, 
That is, there is no one outside of his reach. Last week we were seeing Jesus meeting with this guy, Nicodemus, and, and Nicodemus was thinking that because he was part of God's chosen people, uh, the Jewish people, he was thinking they have a special deal going with God. But actually this is saying that the whole world is open to God's love. There is no one outside of his reach. This love isn't given to just a certain type of person. The person who comes to church every Sunday and is living a really morally upright life. It's not just given to people who are acceptable by society, but neither is it only given to the down and outs and the outcasts. There is no one outside the scope of this love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is perhaps the the crux of it, perhaps the crux of the whole Bible. The focus is here. That God gave his one and only son. That is how God loved us. It's how he loved you. It's how he loved me. By giving the most precious gift. Many of us here are parents and we, we could think about how hard it would be to, to give up your child for someone else. But we just have to think how infinitely greater that is when we think about God. Because the Bible tells us that God is Father, He is Son and Holy Spirit, and they have always lived together. There has not been a time before the creation of anything where where God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit have not existed. They have always existed, perfectly loving one another. We, We love our children who we have for a few years. But God has, God the Father has had His Son loving Him forever. The Son that He enjoyed that perfect intimacy with from eternity past, is willing to give him up, to give us his love in that way. God loves first, knowing what will happen. We had a wedding day. James and Laura, uh, members of our church, got married here. yesterday. a wonderful celebration. And one of the exciting things about a wedding day is you don't know what the future holds, do you? All sorts of things that, that may happen. Good, bad, hard, wonderful times. That's, that's kind of exciting, not knowing what will happen. But that's not how God sees it. On a wedding day, you don't know what the future will hold, but he did. He knew the full consequences of what loving the world by giving his son would mean. C.S. Lewis, writing in that book, The Four Loves, talks about this. That God creates the universe seeing the buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the mesial nerves, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, the repeated torture of pack and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up. God knew perfectly what it would cost him, cost his son in loving us, but was willing to do it. So that we might get his gift of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sends us his son to die on a cross. In order that anyone, whoever you are, whatever you've done, can have life in all its fullness that never ends. And what one thing does God ask for? That we believe him. 
that we believe that he really does love us that much, that he sent his son for us. Think about the damage done by people who refuse to believe when something has happened. Think of uh, many people today, for example, deny that the Holocaust ever happened. But think about what damage that does to you if a family member was killed in it and you heard someone saying that. But think about what it means to refuse to believe that God did that for us, that he sent his son into the world to experience the pain of the cross so that we can have his gift love. We need to at least examine the evidence for ourselves. Great opportunity to do that in the Alpha course. That God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That's what this gift love looks like. Secondly, then, why do we need it? Well, it's not something for us to just take or leave. That's what the passage says. It's something that we desperately need. What we desperately need is to receive this gift love for ourselves. If we have a look then at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why does, I was wondering as I was reading this, why does John have to say that Jesus didn't come to condemn us? Well, God wants us to know and wants you to know that his purpose in sending his son is not to condemn you, but to save you, to rescue you. It's not to come into the world to judge us all as guilty, but to free us from the price of our guilt. Not to inflict upon us an isolating shame, but to take that shame upon himself. Jesus came to save us. Our biggest need is a saviour. But perhaps you're, you're unable yet to believe that, and that's okay. But I want you to at least this morning entertain the idea that this, slive, this slavery to the cycle of that need love, of having to pull yourselves out with the fear of becoming empty, that that cycle of need love in your life is something that you want saving from. That actually you want to know a better source of love that, that can allow you to love in the way that you know you really want to. John says that this is due to the fact that we are isolated from God's gift love in the first place. We lack that, that life-giving water. We're running dry and we're running out. And on our own, we remain stagnant but like a pond that doesn't have a river flowing into it and there's no fresh water supply or like a well in the desert that's isolated without him we remain the word he uses is condemned like the ship on the on the screen and the one thing that that he says that keeps us in that state of being condemned is unbelief unbelief God, through giving us his son, has given us the chance of receiving his gift love. The, the source of his gift love. But the Bible says that through unbelief, we have said, no, thank you, God. I don't want your gift love. I'm fine on my own. It's either or. There's no in between. And without this gift love, we can never be Free lovers, really free to give love in a way that doesn't require repayment. To love our spouse even without expectation of love in return. To love others who are 
hard to love, perhaps. And ultimately, the very little love that we do have will run out if we don't have this gift love. And will actually become something far worse. Inward facing and the opposite of love. That's why we need it. And that's why in verse 18 he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That come, that's what it comes down to. Do we believe that that gift love is given to us? We don't have to have all the questions solved, all the answers to, to why does God allow this and, and what about this. We don't have to have all those questions solved to be able to believe, to trust. That's where we start by receiving this gift love. Well, how should we respond to it then, lastly? Let's have a look at verse 19. John says, this is the verdict. This, this, is, the, this is the condemnation. It's the same word. That light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. He's saying that when we see this love, we don't instinctively run towards it, saying, hooray, good news. In fact, we often do the opposite. It's bizarre, isn't it? John is saying that that the spiritual condition of all of us is that when we see this light that that can shine and show what we're really like, we're like cockroaches. We we, we hide in, in the darkest bits of the cupboard, away from any of the light. We run away. It's because it's difficult to receive a love that doesn't depend on our own loveliness. Because we're so used to that cycle of the need love, of having to pour love into someone else with the expectation of receiving in return. It doesn't fit with with how we understand things. It's difficult to receive that kind of love that doesn't depend on our own loveliness. It's because something gets in the way. Verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. Why? For fear that their deeds will be exposed. John says the reason why that that we don't come into the light is is two reasons. It's fear and pride that often go together. Fear and pride. We are fearful. We are afraid to be loved without being able to do anything ourselves. Lewis gives this illustration of why it's hard to be loved with that kind of love and why we try to run away from it. He says, suppose yourself a man struck down shortly after marriage by an incurable disease which may not kill you for many years. It leaves you useless, hideous, disgusting, depending on your wife's earnings, impoverishing where you hope to enrich, impaired even in intellect and shaken by gusts of uncontrollable temper, full of unavoidable demands. And suppose your wife's care and pity to be inexhaustible. The man who can take this sweetly, who can receive all and give nothing without resentment, who can abstain even from those tiresome self-deprecations which are really only a demand for petting and reassurance, is doing something which need love in its merely natural condition could not attain. In such a case, to receive is harder and perhaps more blessed than to give. That's why we want to run away from this light and run into the dark. Because to admit that in and of ourselves, there is nothing that earns this love. 
is sometimes just too hard to believe. And our pride gets in the way. But John says there is another way. There is another way to defeat this cycle of of need love, to be able to run into the light. And he says that in verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. There is another way, a way of breaking the cycle of this need love, and that is to come into the light. That is what it means to believe in this gift love. And that's going to mean a few things for us today. If you're someone here who you don't yet believe, but perhaps you want to today, for someone who is not yet a Christian, not yet following Jesus, that we come into the light by believing in God's gift love for you. That God loved you so much that he sent his son into the world And that by simply turning around and believing that he did that for you, you now have this gift, love. His love, his light, his life. And if that's you today, that's wonderful. You've broken the cycle of that need love by receiving that gift love for yourself. But once if you are following that, once if you do know that gift, love, what about that for you? Well, we keep on living by the truth. We stay in the light. We keep on living in a way that reflects that we have God's gift, love. Which means that even if we've had to pour out love into others, even if it's been really hard, then actually we know that God, through what he has done in giving his son Jesus, has an overflowing source of love to pour into our lives. Even if we have to keep pouring it out for others, it's never going to run dry because it's all about his gift to us. So we keep on going. And that means for for whoever we are, if we've received that gift love, the source of our love has changed. We're not reliant upon our our spouse or or on friends in the same way to give us that love that we're fearful of running out if if the relationship breaks down or if someone gets ill or dies or we have to look after them and they're unable to love us back because we have the source of love pouring his love into our hearts, making that possible by what his son has done for us on the cross. The source of our love has changed forever. It now comes from the one that is always pouring it into us so that we can now pour it into others as well to share his love with the world so that the whole world that God loves may know this gift love too. I'm just going to leave this in a short prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gift love that breaks the cycle of need love. Thank you that you knew the cost that was going to cost the Lord Jesus in dying for us, experiencing everything on the cross for us so that we might get that love. Lord, would that be precious to us today, whether we're seeing that and believing that for the first time, help us to believe it. Or whether we've been walking with you for many years, perhaps, help us to keep on living in the light to believe it so that we can pour out your love into others as well. Help us to remember that and to celebrate that and to delight in that, especially, Lord, as we come to receive communion. Amen.